Good church, how you feeling? You feeling good? Red Rocks Church family and everybody joining us, thank you so much for being with us today. We are so honored that you would join us. Uh, it's usually about now I say hi to nine locations. And, and these days, as you know, we get to say hi to thousands and thousands of locations, literally around the world. Over 140 different countries will be joining us for church today. And we're so glad that you're a part of it. I wanna give just a couple special shout outs though. First, uh, there are three of my favorite locations, three God Behind Bars locations right here in Colorado. Men and women, we love you so much. We believe in you, and we're so glad you're joining us for church. I wanna say hi to Brussels, Belgium, Brussels family, we love you, and Austin, Texas. What's up, Red Rocks, Austin? Thanks for joining us. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that we get to join together through technology today, knowing that your presence is with us. I thank you that we have your word. I thank you that your son died on a cross to pay the price for our sins so that we can have the opportunity to not only get in your word today, but have our sins forgiven today, have our eternity changed today. And God, I pray that you would speak to every single one of us. Right now, God, I pray you help us shut everything out. Just for a few minutes, shut everything else out and just open up our hearts and our minds to you, Father. God, speak to us about our lives. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. You guys that are here can have a seat. For those of you that are watching online, you may have already noticed we got a handful of people here in the room. Um, they are socially distanced, all wearing masks as according to the new Colorado guidelines. And um, I know that for some of you, that's like salt in the wound, right? Some of you are like, I've been wanting to get back to church and I see some people are there. How come I can't come? Right. And I get that um, because you tell me uh, because social media allows every single one of you to tell me. And some of you do so really nice. Like I got a message yesterday from someone who was like, I just miss seeing you on Saturday nights in person. And I got it. That was their nice way of saying man, I miss being in church. And then some of you have different approaches. I got this, I got this message this week. <clears throat> no, hello. No, hi, what's up? No, how are you? No, I just got a little thought. No, 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 here was the whole message. What are you doing? Question mark. Open the church already, exclamation point. And I was feeling a little spicy when I got that. I'm gonna be honest, I told my wife, I'm like, I'm gonna tell him what I think. And I clicked on his name and the first thing I saw was his gigantic arms. I was like, I ain't saying anything to him. I'm gonna let Conrad handle him. Where are you at, Connie? Yep, I'm gonna let Conrad handle him. You're the only one with arms big enough. I get it. And, and listen, um, what I'm about to tell you, you may not like, you may not agree with, but at least you'll get to hear me speak about it. You'll get to hear what I had to say about it. I know a whole bunch of you are like, we shouldn't be having church, church services because of safety. And a whole bunch of you are like, we should be having church services. Listen, three of our four locations just here in Denver we're allowed to have 100 people in the building at one time. Um, it takes 50 of us just to put on a service if we're gonna have guests come into the building. So that means we can have church for 50 people in masks, only one family through a doorway at one time, no children's ministry, like it's a whole thing. 
but then spend hours disinfecting the entire building and every single thing in it to have another service for 50 people. Listen, if we were a church of 500, if we were a church of 1,500, I think we would maybe start to consider some things like this. We're a church of, on the weekends right now, over 15,000 people. We can't even like hit the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the kind of people in our family that would want to come to church. And so until God does a miracle, until there's a vaccine, until the regulations change, we just realize because of the size of our church, we just can't do in-person meetings yet. And so that's why we're not. I know for some of you, you won't agree. For some of you, you won't like it, but at least you get to hear me speak about it. And trust me, nobody misses getting together more than we do. So in the room right now, we got a few staff members, my family, some close friends, and we are so excited from all of us here to every single one of you in your living room, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, in your car, in the gym, on a treadmill, on a walk, wherever you're at. Here's what we want you to know. In this place, and you're with us today through technology, in this place, in this family that you're a part of today, it does not matter what's happened in your past. It doesn't matter what people have said about you. It doesn't matter what people have done to you. It doesn't, it matters. But I'm telling you, when it comes to how you are received here, it doesn't matter. In this place today, right now, you are loved and welcomed and valued and accepted. And we're so glad you're here. So welcome home. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. Somebody in a chat room somewhere, start filling it up with where you're watching from. Start filling up the chat rooms with where you're watching it from. We want to say hi. We got pastors in all those rooms. <clears throat> the title of today's message is, Thank God I Said Yes. Say that with me. Thank God I Said Yes. I don't think you said it with me yet. Thank God I Said Yes. There you go. And here's today's thesis. Go ahead and put that up. God's miraculous provision and life to the fullest are found on the other side of your yes. Think about your favorites in the Bible. Go through the Bible. Go find all your favorite stories, your heroes of the faith, right? We just see it over and over and over and over and over. God calls somebody to something that doesn't make sense, that scares them to death, that, that blows away their logic. And, and then he says, just follow me. We're starting a three-week series today called Follow Me. Oftentimes, God will say, follow me. And with this area of your life, right, like he did to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to start a nation of people through your bloodline, and I'm going to bring Jesus Christ into the world through this nation of people, and I'm asking you to walk away from everything you have right now. Just come follow me. And he didn't even tell him the plan. He just said, come follow me. And then after the yes, God's miraculous provision shows up, and his 90-year-old wife miraculously gets pregnant, and it does begin a nation, and it does begin to grow, and it will bring Jesus to this world, and he would become one of the most influential humans to have ever lived, not when he thought about saying yes, not before the yes, not when he was praying about it. After he said yes, he received God's miraculous provision and then had the opportunity to live what the Bible calls life to the fullest. Moses. You've been out in the wilderness. You're a murderer on the run, getting, getting way up there in age, and you think your life is over, and I'm now calling you to do something crazy. I'm calling you to do the impossible. I'm calling you to go speak to the most powerful man on the planet and get that nation that I built, starting with Abraham, get them out of a 400-year stint of slavery and, and, and take them through the Red Sea into freedom. Moses argues a little bit eventually says yes, right? And after the yes, the miracles start. 
The 10 plagues come after the yes, and the Red Sea parting comes after the yes, and the sea closing back up and defeating all their enemies comes after the yes. None of it comes when he's arguing with God about whether or not he should go. None of it comes when he's thinking about it, praying about it, thinking about praying about it. The miraculous provision of God in life to the fullest comes on the other side of our yes. And so the title of today's message is, thank God I said yes. And there's two questions that I challenge every single one of you, no matter where you're watching from, no matter where you're listening from. Here's what we know, guys. Listen, life change does not come because we have the presence of buildings. Life change happens because we have the presence of God and he is with us right now. So let him speak to you. Start opening up your heart and opening up your mind. I want you to ask two questions as I go through this talk today. Go ahead and throw those up. Is there something I know God's been asking me to do. I talked to some friends this week and he's finally acting on what he knows God wants him to do. And he said, we've been sitting on this for two years. Is there something that I know God's been asking me to do? Or when's the last time I asked God, is there anything you'd like me to say yes to? Oh, you want to talk about a life-changing prayer church. Some of you already know the second I've asked that, read that first question, something went off inside of you like a little alarm and you're like, I already know he's calling me to go. Everything inside of me wants to go and he's calling me to stay. He's calling me to start. He's calling me to, to stop. He's, he's calling me to take a risk. He's calling me to give. He's calling me to forgive. He's like, you already know you've been thinking about it. You've been arguing with him about it. You've been praying about it. I just challenge you. Let him speak to you about it today. Watch what happens. And if you go, you know what? Honestly, I don't feel that. I don't have anything that really came to mind. There's nothing that like I go, yes, I know what he's calling me to do. Then I got to ask you, when's the last time you gave him permission to call you to do something? You want to talk about a life altering prayer. God, here's my life. With everything you've given me, with everything you've blessed me with, with where you have me right now, what would you like me to do? Start changing things. We start praying those prayers, won't it? Today, if you have a Bible, flip open to Luke chapter five. If you got a phone, bust that thing out, get Luke chapter five. We're going to read the first 11 verses. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. We're going to read a story about a man who at the time was an unknown fisherman named Simon. We now today know him as the apostle Peter. Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. And we now know him as one of the most influential men to have ever lived. Guy who got up and preached the very first sermon and started the church. Jesus looked at him and said, on you, I'm going to build my church. I mean, you want to talk about some influence. But when Jesus is going to have this first initial conversation with him that we see in Luke five, it was just Simon, a professional fisherman on the heels of disappointment. Listen, I know a bunch of you right now, that's where you feel like you're at. Whatever's been going on in life, you had some hopes for something and it didn't turn out the way you were hoping. You had some dreams for something. It didn't turn out the way you've been dreaming. You had some plans and whether it's COVID or something completely unrelated, stuff happens because life happens, right? And, and, And you're dealing with some real disappointment. You're trying to like buck up camper, but you feel it. You feel that disappointment. Like it just didn't go down the way I thought it was gonna go down. Don't be afraid of that. 
Again, go read your favorite Bible story. You'll be hard pressed to find one that doesn't start with somebody feeling exactly how you feel right now. And then Jesus steps into the scene and then God, the father steps into the scene and everything begins to change oftentimes on the heels of gigantic disappointment. Simon had just been out fishing all night. It's not like a lot of us in Colorado who fish for fun. It's his job. No fish means no money, means no food for the family, means no provision, means life is not working. No fish is bad. He spent all night fishing, struck out. Here we go. Let's go. I'm going to go up here and read it. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, this same body of water is also referred to in other parts of the Bible as the Sea of Galilee, same body of water. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. You wash your nets after you've given up and there's absolutely no chance that you're going to catch anything. Disappointment. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. See, this, this, this made no sense to Simon. Simon answered, yo, I'm a fisherman. You're a preacher. Why don't I fish and you preach? Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. There's no fish here to be caught. But because you say so, he's about to say yes in the middle of confusion. He's about to say yes in the middle of all kinds of disappointment. But because you say so, I will. I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Some miraculous provision was just on the other side of that yes. Simon answered, I don't know. So, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. These guys have never seen anything like this before. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus's knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Like what I'm experiencing, this is more miraculous than anything I've ever even heard of before. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I can't do this. Every single time we're called to follow Jesus, one of the battles we will fight right up here is the I'm not worthy battle. I'm not worthy. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken in. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. That little trio was going to become Jesus's best friends, Peter, James, and John. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, I got a whole new purpose for you, a whole new calling, plans you hadn't even dreamed of. You're not just getting miracles on the other side of your yes. You're getting an entirely different life on the other side of your yes. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Welcome to week one of follow me. I have four things that actually me and Ronnie and Doug started just chopping this scripture up and we came up with about 20 things we wanted to talk about, but I have four things I want to highlight today. And the first one is this. He had the opportunity to experience everything he experienced because he said yes, 
but he had the opportunity to say yes because he was listening. Notice the text said everybody was gathered around listening. Well, so was Simon Peter. Yeah, he was cleaning his nets, but he was cleaning his nets like this. He was listening. That's why he knew when Jesus asked him if I can use your boat, because he was listening. And I want to ask you today, are you listening? If a yes takes us closer to the miraculous provision of God, if the yes takes us closer to the life to the fullest plan that God has for us, are you listening for the directive so you can say yes to it? Because so many times, I know I've done it countless times. Here's what we do, especially as church people. We learn the lingo real quick. I'm just waiting to hear from God. What are you doing about that? Waiting. Are you listening on purpose, actively listening? A good friend of mine started, we started talking this summer about, he said, I want to start getting closer to God. I want to start getting in prayer. I want to start getting in the word. I want to start hearing God's voice because I was telling him like, bro, there's a couple things that I would tell you if you really want to hear the voice of God, like spend some time in conversation with him. Let him speak. Spend some time in his word. Let the word speak. And I was like, man, just just roll with it. And I could tell he was kind of looking at me like. And do what? Like pray and read the Bible and. I don't what. And, and I, so I sent him like a text and I actually had that text put into a slide I'm going to put up here, but I said, you know what? Let, let me just, there's no right or wrong way to talk to God. There's no right or wrong way to get in his word. Like he created communication. He's the best at it. Just try and he will. But I said, I'll tell you what I like to do. And here's a little just starter kit. Here's what I like to do to start to pray. Here's what I like to do to start to get in the word. And I was thinking about today's message and I thought, you know what? I'm going to put that up for every single person in the church family. Now, for some of you, this is going to be brand new and it's going to be huge. It's going to be so pivotal for you to start to hear from God. Now, for a bunch of you, you're going to be like, this is old hat. I've been doing this for like 40 years, maybe more if you're as old as BZ. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been doing this for a while, but for some it's brand new and, and get this. We are falling apart. Jake, I love you. Thank you. Guys, give it up for Jake. Don't even edit that out. Let's keep it raw. Hey, so I was at BZ's house, I don't know, a month ago. I'm bad with time. It was me and BZ and Scott and, and all three of our wives. We were having dinner, socially distanced. And Scott, at one point, looks at me and BZ and he goes, guys, guys, guys. He goes, I got two words for you. Amazon Prime. And we were like, yeah, it is. And he's like, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand, guys. Amazon Prime. And I'm like, yeah, Scott, we know. And he goes, no, they have everything. He just, I don't know how, he just found it. 
He goes, they have everything. I'm like, I know, Scott, it's great. He goes, no, 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 you don't get it. Two days, everything. He goes, I, I like to order one thing a day. I just like to have something show up. I do. It was so new to him. For some of you, this is brand new. For some of you, it's like I've known about Amazon Prime for a while. But get this, and this is why I want, and when they put this slide up, it's going to be up for about 60 seconds. So if you're watching on a screen, you might see this slide more than you see me for a minute. That's okay. I want every single one of you to take a screenshot. I don't care if you're thinking about following God, if you're not thinking about it, if you just started, if you've been doing it since you can remember, take a screenshot. If you're watching and you don't know how to take a screenshot, it's going to be up there long enough. Get your phone out. Take a picture. If you don't have a phone that takes pictures, hit pause and just look at it for a while and get it. All right. That's all I got for you. Okay. But here's, here's why I wanted everyone to get this. Think about this church. When buildings come back in play, we'll have around 15,000 people a weekend. Can you imagine if 15,000 people have in their holster just armed and dangerous, ready to go? Oh, you want to get close to God? Let me tell you how to start praying. Let me tell you how to get in his word. Let me tell you how to hear his voice. Come on, church. We'll change the world with this kind of stuff. We can't just say we're a place that welcomes prodigals if all we do is hug them. We're going to hug a prodigal and then say, now let me help you get closer to the father. That's where the life change happens. All right. So put this screen up. This is my best advice for you. If you're like, man, I just want to start hearing from God. I want to start spending some time. I'm not sure where to start. Here's what I love to do is 20 minutes with God. I start with a song. Pick a worship song. If you don't have a favorite, it, it ought to be a Red Rocks Church worship song. Come on, Corey. Come on, Tyler and Daisy and Jake and Dave and everybody else. Jess, who am I forget? Jimmy. Jericho's back. Jericho, welcome back. All right, whoever I forgot, forgive me. Put on a song. I mean, some days I'm in my office like this, like, whew, come on. Some days I'm laying on a couch, like just listening, going, uh, I'm just gonna let it get in. Some days all I got to whisper. Some days I can sing it. Just start with getting some praise in your soul, in your spirit. God's word says he inhabits the praises of his people. And I remind myself every time I start with some worship and me and God are right here. And then I'm just going to talk to God. I like to start with some thank yous because I deal with anxiety. And the apostle Paul teaches us that, that saying thank you is one of the best ways to fight anxiety. It's hard to be thankful and anxious at the same time. So God, thank you. And if you don't have anything in your life to be thankful for, then just start with thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the price for my sins. Thank you. Please help me with. Please forgive me for. And then pray for a couple other people. It's so good to remember that my prayers don't have to just be about me. Pray for some other people. God, thank you. God, forgive me. God, I praise you. God, here's some other people that are hurting. Would you be with them today? Would you strengthen them today? You're going to blink and you're going to be out. 10 minutes is going to be up. You're going to be like, I need more time. Okay. 10 minutes in the word. I say, start in the book of John. And this says Proverbs. If you're feeling spicy, I would say Proverbs also, whether you're feeling spicy or not. I'm telling you, it's so good. Proverbs is from Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived. It's practical advice for life. John's writing about the life and death of Jesus and his resurrection and what it means for us. And I start like this. God, speak to me. 
I'm just a guy, and I got a lot of things on my mind, and I feel like I don't understand a bunch, and so would you just speak to me? So I'm going to read it. As soon as I hit one thought that, that registers, I'm going to write it or put it in my phone. I'm going to write it down, and then I'm just going to end with God, now help me do it. I'm going to get in the Word and say, God, speak to me, and I'm going to read it, write it, do it. I promise you 20 minutes are going to fly by. Wait till you do this for about a week and just start looking back at the notes you've took. You're going to already start to be amazed at like, look what God is saying to me through my conversation, through his word. I already got some things to say yes to, and this is going to change the game. I want to challenge you, church. Start listening on purpose for your God to speak. He wants to speak. He wants you to experience his miraculous provision, and he definitely wants you to experience his life to the fullest. Amen? Amen. I'm dry mouth today. Second thing I noticed is Simon was given a choice. Watch this. Let's reread part of it. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge, how many boats? There's a couple. Left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of them. There were two boats. He had a choice. God was not going to force him to say yes. I got plans for you. I'm going to ask you to do something and it's not going to make any sense. And I know, you know, people are watching, so it's really going to be scary to obey. But if you'll say yes, there's life change on the other side of this. Yes, but you don't have to. There's two boats. You say no, I'll hop in his. Instead of Peter, James and John, it could have been Rick, James and John. You know what I mean? That's it. Jesus was going to get in a boat and he was going to teach and he was going to do a miracle and he was going to call, call some disciples to follow him and go change the world with him. Whether Peter said yes or not was not going to affect the plans of Jesus. It was only going to affect whether or not Simon Peter got to go along for the ride. Put that slide up. Think about some of the guys we just mentioned. Nope. Next one. There we go. Think about this. God was going to start a nation of people called the nation of Israel, and he was going to bring his son into this world through that nation, whether Abraham said yes or not. We don't have the nation of Israel because of Abraham. We have the nation of Israel because of God. The only reason we know Abraham's name is he happened to say, yes, I'll go with you. But God was going to do it anyways. God was going to free that nation from a 400-year time of slavery and take him through the Red Sea. The only reason we know about Moses is because he said, yes, they're not on the other side of the Red Sea because of Moses. They're on the other side of the Red Sea because of God. But Moses got to experience it because he said, yes, he had a choice. He was going to take that same group of people into the promised land, whether Joshua said yes or not. Right? The only reason We know about Joshua. The only reason Joshua got to experience the miraculous, the only reason Joshua had the stories of unbelievable life change is because when he was asked to do something that didn't make any sense, he said yes. But he had a choice. There were two boats every time. God's not, God doesn't need us. Whatever he's asking you to do. I remember when I got saved, I I don't know for how long, but there was a while when I was walking around like, better be glad. You owe me. You know what I walked away from? A life of misery (laughs) that I like to fantasize that it was really good before you, but you know what I walked away from? I thought God owed me. I thought God needed me. God doesn't owe me and God doesn't need me. God was going to build Red Rocks Church, whether me and Jill said yes or not. He just would have built it with a guy that had less of a shoe game. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
but he would have done it. Right? We have a choice. He had a choice. There were two boats. Jesus is like, I'm about to change the world. I'm going to use somebody. You want to go? Think about what he's been calling you to do. He's going to do it. His, his purpose will be accomplished. What he's doing is giving you an opportunity to go along for the ride. What he's doing is giving you an opportunity to take a risk, even though it might not make sense, and to experience the miraculous and the life to the fullest that, lay, that, that lives excuse me, on the other side of your yes. But we always have a choice. And listen, it's, it's in that choice where Satan's going to mess with you the most. It's in that choice where the head games start, right? It, it's, it's, the, it's, it's Simon falling to his knees in a boat full of fish, saying, you got to go away from me. I know you're calling me to something, but I'm not good enough. I don't have the experience. I don't have the finances. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the education. Whatever it is, it doesn't make sense. I'd, I'd have to walk away from too much. I'd have to stay, and I don't want to stay. I'd have to, and I'm just not good enough. And Satan, man, he'll pour gas on those thoughts. And he'll get in your mind and he'll try to remind you you're not good enough and you're not strong enough and you won't succeed at this. Don't you dare. You're not, you don't even know for sure if it was God. That's crazy. It makes no sense. Don't do it. And we'll start to convince ourselves that it just could never happen. And so if you're in that, if you're in that, that land between the, the here's what I'm asking you to do and the yes, there's, there's this two verses I came across this week. In fact, my wife woke me up with them one day this week and she sent me these verses and she said, this is for you today. And as I read it, I realized it's not just for me, but it's for our whole church this week. Go ahead and put that Jeremiah passage up. There's some promises that are being made to you as you step out in faith and decide to trust God. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. That's a promise. Blessings from the creator of the universe. We want that. Whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water, meaning he will be provided for and taken care of no matter what the situation looks like that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear. You don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy. You don't have to feel like you're ready. If God's calling you, he'll take care of the getting you ready. You don't have to be afraid. Does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious. You don't have to let that anxiety that you're feeling keep you from taking that step of faith because Satan doesn't win, our God wins. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and believe him. I don't have to let anxiety paralyze me in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. There's six promises right there. When you decide, I'm going to do my best to just trust God, even though I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be provided for. My family is going to be taken care of. I can step into this fearless. I can be at peace. I'm going to be purposeful. I'm going to be productive. Yes, I can. Remind yourself of the truth when Satan's trying to mess with you, when you're about to make that yes or no choice. I've said this a bunch. Oftentimes, church, it's not going to make any sense. It just won't. I bet if we could take this mic just around the few people in this room, they'd say, here's some things I feel like God's putting on my heart, and it makes no sense why he would ask me to do that. If we could take this mic to the thousands of locations literally around the world today, they would say, it makes no sense what I feel like God's calling me to. It made no sense when Jesus said, to Simon, go out a little deeper and just throw your nets right over there. You, you heard Simon. He's like, I don't want to be disrespectful, but uh, 
Everybody listening who knew anything about fishing, they were literally laughing. It's not possible. But see, if you fish, you know. Simon's grown up fishing on the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret. Like, this is home turf for him. And he knows, you know why they were fishing at night? Because that's the only time with their nets that the, the top of the water is cool enough that the fish will come close to the surface so they can scoop them up in their nets. They only fish overnight because they know the next day the sun hits the water, that top part gets too warm, fish go too deep, can't reach them with our nets. Not only are there no fish in this area because I've been here all night, nobody would go to that water with that sun in this time of day and expect to catch a thing. It made no sense. What's God calling you to? Don't let it makes no sense keep you from doing it. Listen, here, here, here's, here's what we do. And I know because I, I am one of you. Here's what we do with, with God when he gives us stuff that we think like, I think he's asking me to. Here's where we start. Mm, it just doesn't add up. We say things like, I'm just a realist. No, you're a pessimist. I didn't say that. Ronnie did. I'm just a realist, and it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Here's what, I would never even ask God for something like that because that just doesn't make any sense. In my wildest dreams, I wouldn't dream something like this up. In my craziest, wildest imagination, I wouldn't come up with something like that. I would never think about doing something like this. It doesn't make any sense. So we have that, and then on this side we go, but God of miracles, please do the impossible in and through me. And verse tattooed per capita on Christian bodies in this world, Ephesians 3.20 wins right now. Let's read Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than what I would ask, more than what I would imagine, how is that possible according to his power that is at work within me? We pray, God of miracles, do the impossible, blow me away, do more in my life than I would ever ask, think, or imagine. But then as soon as he says, trust me, you go, mm, I wouldn't ask it, think it, or imagine it. So, right? We can't have it both ways. Either I want a God that just makes sense to me, which means he's real limited, or I want a God that does the impossible. I want a God that calls me to things I could never ask, think, or imagine on my most spiritual day. I want a God who parts oceans and parts rivers and raises people from the dead and heals leprosy and heals blindness and does things that we could never do. That's the God we want. Then we got to be willing to let that God call us to some things that don't make sense every now and then. And I'm telling you, church, if we will allow that to happen and if we will take that step of faith and say yes... There's going to be a day when you're going to turn around and you're going to look at everything that God has done in your life and you're going to be over here and you're going to be going, oh, that was a season right there. That was crazy right there. We were scared right there. Kids, come here. Spouse, come here. Thank God we said yes, because look. Jesus said, throw your nets over there and it doesn't make any sense. And he does and then he fills up two boats with fish and like instantly, right? It's like, whoa, God's miraculous provisions on the other side of my yes. No, he hadn't seen anything yet, had he? That was the tip of the iceberg. And I've been, I've been chewing on this scripture for a while now, knowing it was going to be my next message. And I'm telling you, 
just this week, something hit me about it that I had never thought of before. See, if you've grown up in church, we talk a whole lot about the day of Pentecost. And it was a big day. Jesus had already died on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could repent today and receive forgiveness in heaven forever. And, and on the third day, he came up out of the tomb and, and over 500 eyewitnesses saw him as the resurrected Jesus. So much eyewitness testimony. It would stand up in any court in the world. So much eyewitness testimony of the resurrected Christ that this thing's about to go global. And then he ascends up into heaven after 40 days. And the gang's like, what now? And they go pray. And the Holy Spirit falls. And everybody starts to gather around. And Simon Peter, who had recently walked away from his faith and walked away from his friends and walked away from the whole thing, he, he now steps up, powered by the Holy Spirit. And he gives the very first sermon. Starting, it's the very first church service about the resurrected Jesus. And 3,000 people give their lives to God. Like it starts this instant revival and people are getting saved and people are getting healed and people are getting baptized and people are getting changed and families are getting changed. Everywhere you look, people are getting changed. That's the day of Pentecost. And I started thinking this week about the night of Pentecost because I've been a part of some firsts when it comes to church services. And I tell you what we do. We do the same thing every time. Every time we launch a location, at some point, all the people go home and you sit around with the team and you go, oh, Lori, you know, you know what it was like? Everybody left that little corner in Heritage Square. We sat in the back and went, what just happened? People got saved here today. People's lives are changed. A church just started. How'd we get here? How'd we end up here? Think about the apostle Peter. Like, it was just last month that I quit everything and somehow God gave me the opportunity to stand up and preach a message and start a church and thousands of people got saved and all of a sudden he realizes God's got me in the middle of something I've never deserved, I've never earned, I can't believe I'm here, I can't believe, how am I getting to experience something like this? And at some point his thoughts had to go back to one day in the middle of huge disappointment when there were two boats. And Jesus didn't demand it. He just asked. Yo, you want to you wanna follow me? He didn't have to. And I guarantee you there was a time on the night of Pentecost where he thought back and went, I was scared to death and everybody was watching and I was humiliated and I didn't think I had what it takes. In fact, I told him to go away. I knew I didn't have what it takes. But look where I am now. Thank God I said yes back when there were two boats because look where I am now and what God's doing in my life. That's what I want your story to be. I'm going to end with something that me and my wife experienced along these lines. <clears throat> a little over 15 years ago, I came here and visited BZ. We hadn't teamed up with Scott and Lori Brugman yet. All me and Jill knew is we were going to move to Denver and try to start a church. And uh, Brian took me to, he was going to a few different churches, and, but he was more plugged into this one. And I'm not going to say the church's name. We'll call it, uh, Luke, what's a good church name? Revival Church. We're going to call it Revival Church. That's, you're so spiritual, Luke. So he takes me to Revival Church. Revival Church 
had like 750 chairs and they had two packed out services. So there's at least 1500 people going to this church. And everywhere I looked, it was just like sharp people and just dressed so and praise Jesus. And they're just away everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is unreal. I've never seen a church this cool. I've never seen a church this powerful. And I was literally brought to tears in the service. And I remember very specifically praying, God, would you please someday let me be a church? Let me be a part of a church like this one. Because I wasn't. About a year later, I'm a part of a church of about 65, 75 people on a good day in the back corner of a theme park. Nobody's getting paychecks. Nobody's getting health insurance. We're all, we work regular jobs and then we have staff meetings at night. And I got a text one day from, from the pastor of that church, Revival Church. And I, and, and I had, he had my number because he had actually had me and Jill over to his house and we were like, oh my gosh, look at this place. They're amazing at everything. Good for them. They're not happy. Sure they are. They're like, we're so happy. We've never been happier. Stay focused. Um, he takes me to lunch. He goes, hey man, I'm, I just took a job. This is crazy. I just took a job in that city, this huge city in the country. And he said, it's a church of 3,000 people, bro. He said, so listen, I've been in a board meeting all night long. Like it, it almost went all night long. And our board has unanimously decided we want you to be the senior pastor of Revival Church. I've seen his house. I've seen what he drives. I've seen where he lives. I've seen his church. I've prayed that God would let me be a part of something like this. That thing came out of nowhere, rocked me. Because I know that I got to go work at St. Luke's Hospital tonight doing the graveyard shift as a chaplain and somebody's probably going to pass away and I'm probably going to be up there tonight with the family of the deceased. Like my job's just different than his job. And I went home and I told Jill, and my wife is a rock, y'all. I was like, babe, it's the dream. It's everything I could have imagined and more. And literally, like I prayed, God, let me be a part of something like this. And today he handed me the keys. My wife just said one, one thing. She just looked back at me. She goes, okay, what's God telling you to do? I'm like, you know what? I don't want to talk about that right now. I got the keys. What's God want you to do? He wants me to stay at the church in the theme park and go work at the hospital tonight. I think that's what he wants me to do. And she said, do that. I didn't know what was going to happen with Red Rocks Church. This message is, like I said earlier, going to over 140 different countries. This church, I've gotten to watch God do so many miracles in the last 15 years. I've gotten to watch so many lives be changed in the last 15 years. God was gonna build Red Rocks Church with or without me and Jill. We had nothing to do with this. He just asked us that day, if you want, you can stay on the ride. And the only reason I get to, to be here with you today the only reason my boys are growing up in this church is because I wasn't smart enough, but my wife was a long, long time ago. And now I look where we're at today and I just look back and go, thank God she was smart enough to encourage me to say yes. 
I want that for you, church. I want you to look, I want you to look back in a few months. I want you to look back in a few years. I want you to look back in a decade. And I want you to go back then when it didn't make any sense. And it didn't even seem all that important, but I knew God was calling me. I want you to arrive at the spot where you really do look back and go, thank God we said yes, because look what God has done. That's what I want all of our stories to be. Amen. Amen. Would you guys stand up with me? God, I thank you that you are with us right now. I thank you that your presence is with us right now. That when two or three get together and worship you, there you are in the midst. And we know that your presence is with us in this room, in living rooms, in kitchens, in houses, in cars, in gyms. Your presence is with us. You're speaking right now. God, we open up our heart. We open up our mind to you. With everyone's eyes closed, I want to ask two questions and give you a chance to respond. And then we're going to get after it with some worship. The first one is this. You already have a relationship with Jesus. Like, you know, me and God are so good. But the truth is, I think he's calling me to trust him in an area. And right now today, I say, God, give me the courage to say yes and to trust you. If that's you, raise your hand right now. And I'm going to say a prayer for you. You know God's calling you to something. It seems scary. And today you say, God, give me the courage. I want to say yes. Come on, church. And the second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, but you know, you can feel it in your heart. He is calling you right now. The first thing he's asking you to do is just to say yes to his love and his forgiveness and his grace. And today, in your own words, you just know this is my time. I need to ask God to forgive me of my sins, be the Lord of my life. I need to take him up on this opportunity to follow him. I say yes to Jesus today. If that's you, raise your hand no matter where you're at. Come on, church. If you're watching with, a, with an online platform and it has a place for it, click that raise your hand button below. Let us give you some, some resources to get going, church. We love you so much. God, I thank you that when things seem impossible to us, it's extremely possible to you. When we can't see a way, you make a way. When we can't understand the right way, you show us the right way. When there are no resources, you put the resources in place. When we don't have enough experience, you equip us to what we're called to. God, I thank you for that. I pray you would continue to speak as we sing, as we worship. And God, give us the courage today to begin saying yes, so that there can be that moment when we look back and say, thank God we said yes in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship, church.